0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Happy New Year from the DSR Network. We hope you had a safe and happy holiday season. We're excited about our plans for 2022, which will include more member content, exciting partnerships, and programming expansion. To celebrate what we hope to be a successful 2022, we are offering $2 off a monthly membership or $20 off an annual membership. Members receive access to bonus content, member-only briefings delivered on Wednesdays and Fridays, access to our member Slack community, an ad-free listening experience, and more. To become a member, which goes a long way to supporting our work, please visit bit.ly slash dsrmember and use code DSR2022 at checkout. That's bit.ly slash DSR member, and use code DSR2022 at checkout. Thank you. 9, 12, 10,
2: 28, 2, 23. This is Deep State Radio. Coming to you direct from our super secret studio in the third sub basement of the Ministry of Snark in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the podcast. The first of the year when we've got our gang together here, including Dr. Kavita Patel of Brookings Institution, practicing physician, formerly of the Obama White House, who I haven't seen in like
0: A month or two. I I know. It's
2: been a long time. How are you
0: competing? It is doing great. Uh, Well, I mean, not doing great, but doing great at not doing great.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what America does right now. And of course, we also have with us our friend Lori Garrett, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who is joining us from, I'm guessing, by virtue of her background that I can see here, Brooklyn. (laughs) Yep. Brooklyn it is. And how are you today, Lori?
3: I'm, I'm okay. I mean, You know, as Kavita was hinting, we're all in dark times. We're all in stressed times. And so our goalpost for saying I'm okay has dropped to a level that three years ago would have been panic stage, you know, but now it's like, oh, yeah, you know, everybody I know has Omicron, you know, I'm fine.
2: (laughs) Well, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of (laughs) one of the reasons I thought this would be a good time to get you guys together to talk about this, because it's kind of like the two year anniversary of the arrival of this uh, pandemic, which at the time, you know, I don't think we were quite sure what the extent of the impact is. And and now two years later, I'm not sure quite what the impact is. You know, I mean, it's still still going on and there's a lot to discuss there, but I should add before we get to all of this stuff that I'd like come to this from just having been immersed in Twitter for an hour, watching, The complete collapse of this effort to save voting rights in the United States and, you know, the Justice Department launching a seditious conspiracy case against the Oath Keepers for January 6th. And I'm like, I don't really know where to direct my anxiety and my (laughs) anger.
3: This is what I think fundamentally is the mental health crisis, not just in America, but all over the world at this moment, is that Just about everybody's angry. Just about everybody's fed up with having their life so completely turned upside down. Just about everybody is conflating multiple issues in their life, not just COVID, not just the kids can't go to school, not just somebody tried to stage a coup in America, but multiply times, you know, multiple, multiple issues. Mm -hmm. And we don't have any effective way of channeling that rage. So, we're seeing more and more incidents, you know, of somebody just randomly walking up to a stranger on the subway and shooting their gun, of, of uh, <laughs> minor traffic accidents escalating quickly into confrontations, slugged fists, pulled weapons, of people bursting into tears in the middle of Zoom calls to, with other individuals, of people feeling a sense of social isolation that's so deep they don't know after two years, how to carve out of it. Where is the ladder? How do we climb out? And on top of it all, all faith in government is falling apart. It was that the right was attacking government, but now as you see every time you hit social media or you get on the phone with colleagues, the middle and the left have also lost faith with government and with government's ability to solve a crisis. All it will take now to just, I think, push things to the point of irrational behavior writ large and a dangerous place is uh, for the Russians to invade Ukraine full force or for a major stock market dip to be sustained over a period of a couple of weeks or for some violent act to take place under a political flag somewhere in the United States. that. Is astounding, dumbfounding, deeply disturbing, and deeply
2: divisive. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. Kavita, I'd be interested in your reaction oh, to uh, this.
0: No, I, I was going to give a very different, completely assholeish answer. Direct all your anger to Kristen cinema. I mean, that's like a very
2: that's very, not you know, I, it's like, not an assholeish thing. You no, know? that is a very. <laughs> let me let me let me repeat. Direct
0: all your anger to Kristen. Like whatever those seconds of my life I've lost watching her, I can't even describe. Like fake. Fake emotion, like invoking like John Lewis and voting rights and well, something, something. So, you, so go just, ahead and direct I, it there. Put even I, put I, all your I, pandemic anger there too. It's all the same. Put kind of, it all
3: there.
2: I, I, you know, I, as far as Kristen Cinema goes, I just have to say, as a side part, my feeling at the moment is that you know all the bright lights of the Democratic Party are in a room and they're trying to figure out with their lawyers a good negotiating strategy for the fire that's burning down their house. But, you know, you can't negotiate with a fucking fire. And they're sitting there trying right. to say, well, what's this strategy going to do? And like a fire is a fire. All the fire can do is burn. And these people have no desire to negotiate. Their right. desire is to suppress voting rights. Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin are with the anti-democratic majority in the United States Senate. They're not Democrats. They're right. anti-democrats. And that's got really dire consequences. But part of the reason that there is this reaction, part of the reason that two years, you know, or a year after January 6th and two years after the COVID starts and five years after Trump starts, that there's a substantial constituency in the United States for essentially rejecting governance, rejecting Mm -hmm. the way the system works, is that the system. Has and I, you know, I don't you know, I'm a Democrat. People who listen to the show. know I've been very supportive of the Biden administration. The system under Trump and under Biden has failed to deal with this issue. You know, it's failed to deal with the thing that's in everybody's life, which is COVID. And that's how Glenn Youngkin gets elected governor of Virginia. It's, you know, people think education is about curriculum, but it's not. It's about having your fucking kids at home when you don't want your kids at home. And no, seriously. And all these people are angry at educators, not because of
0: critical race
2: theory. They're angry at educators because their kids are at home and they don't want their kids at home. And nobody's coming up with a good solution. And I gotta tell you, year in, my thought, and then I respond to this, guys, but my thought is the Biden administration came in they sought to have a plan to deal with the epidemic that existed during the year prior to their coming into office. They focused it on vaccines for a particular strain of COVID. We then got hit with the Delta variant and they quickly scrambled to deal with it. The Omicron variant is a completely different crisis. Mm -hmm. And because they have mishandled that crisis, what you've got now is an unholy alliance between the anti-vax right-wing nut jobs and vaccinated Americans who are indifferent to this and just want it to be over with.
3: I would I mean I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think I would stage the issue a little bit differently. I think our problem started way back in probably February 2020, when the pharmaceutical industry was had the genome sequence of the Wuhan virus and everybody in the industry was charging off in multiple directions to come up with uh, drugs and vaccines to deal with it. And the FDA under Trump had the opportunity, a golden moment, to say, here are the criteria that we want to set. This is where the bar is for an acceptable vaccine. We want a vaccine that is nasally administered or orally administered. So we don't need to deal with syringes. We want a vaccine that can handle a wide range of temperatures so that we don't have to lug around freezers and limit access for the rest of the world. We want something easy to make and we want it to target transmission. Instead, the goalpost was set and most observers didn't even pay any attention to this at the time, but the goalpost was set set completely differently, it was you can make any kind of vaccine you want. It can be based on any antigens. It can be any formulation. It can be applied by any methodology you want. It can involve needles, multiple administration, whatever. All you have to do is prove that it's safe and that it changes the rate of hospitalization, the rate of key symptoms, and the rate of death. So there was no measurement ever put in place to demonstrate that you block transmission. And what we have with us now all over the world, and it's true whether you're in China looking at Sinopharm and Sinovac, or you're in the UK looking at AstraZeneca, or you're here looking at Pfizer and Moderna. What we have all over the world are vaccines that are reasonably good at blocking the possibility that you'll drop dead in an ICU if you get infected, but absolutely useless to block the spread of disease. And as a result, we now have vaccinated people being the primary carriers, asymptomatic carriers, passing virus to people around them and putting at risk, ironically, the refuseniks who refuse to get vaccinated. And by the way, also happen to have diabetes or hypertension or cardiovascular disease. This has created a monster for messaging. This is why the CDC is bouncing all over the place, different messages practically every day. Why the White House is struggling so hard to have a progressive voice and at the same time realizing, you know, we have to say to the vaccinated, thanks for getting your shots. But God damn it, you got to wear your masks all the time. And now you have to wear People N95 masks. masks.
0: Sorry, and sorry. N95s yes.
3: and, now N95s. Now and you have to wear them so tightly that you end up with little rings around your face. We know you're fed up and you thought that if you were good. <laughs> and you got your Girl Scout badge of honor because you got your two shots plus booster, that would be the end of these requirements. But sorry, you are the carriers. You are the transmitters. This is an impossible situation we're in. I don't actually see how this administration messages its way out of this. I agree. And and we don't vaccine our way out of it.
0: I I mean, I would love to see us try to boost our, I mean, our booster rates even, They're somewhat decent, 65 and over. They're pathetic in nursing homes and in certain popular correctional facilities. It's terrible. And it's just like death waiting to happen. Death from Delta, by the way, because it's still kind of rippling through their hospitalizations. But I agree. And, you know, David knows there could not be a bigger fan of the change between Trump to Biden and kind of Biden's like what I felt like was a very systematic science is first and here's what we're going to do. And we're going to be honest with you. I actually think he has kept to those principles, but then David where it falls apart. And I think Lori's emphasizing that by the way, I'm at fault because I have to message this, Lori, you've done a good job doing kind of the science communication and trying to get to people, but you have to admit that like, it's hard, even when we're communicating science and not being qualitative or emotional about it, it's hard to communicate to the public that this is a novel virus. We really don't know that much at all. And what we don't know, what we do know is so small. And so, yes, all these things we're telling you are probably not going to be true. But how do you say that without undermining your own credibility in the moment? So they can't message their way out of this. Having said that, though, they're doing a lot of damage to themselves with this infighting and some of these structural governance issues that I see, which is very inside baseball, White House politics is now coming up and it's undermining Biden's presidency. It's taking over. Brian Deese was doing a Gensaki's podium kind of yesterday and was talking about supply chains. And then, you know, they kind of pointed him to COVID. It all just comes back to COVID, to David's point. And it does feel like there's something in our country where we have given up on like Joe Biden kind of rescuing us out of COVID.
2: Oh, absolutely. But you know, I got, yeah. I got to say, if I can just interject there, because it strikes me as you're saying it. This is one of the great perils for the United States. And I just don't think we fully get it. And it's just coming clear to me listening to the two of you. And that is for the average American, if you were to say what is affecting your life more, the COVID crisis or the death by suffocation of U.S. democracy, they'd mm-hmm. say the COVID crisis. Right. And the result is, That, you know, as has happened before with the rise of fascism in other governments, people want the government to fix this problem, regardless of who the government is and how they fix it. Right. And not not
3: regardless. I mean, just yesterday, Mayor Bowser in Washington, D.C., which has a totally out of control situation with Omicron at the moment, said, "Okay, we're going to institute a lot of the same policies as New York City. You have Mm -hmm. to show your vaccination card to get into a restaurant or a movie theater. Mm -hmm. you got to wear a mask, blah, blah, blah. And you had two different representatives in Congress, both Republicans, of course, liken it to fascism. And one of them tweeted out a a photo of a 1930s uh, Nazi identification card from the Third Reich and said, we've been here before, Mayor Bowser. So we're in a situation where... (laughs) Nothing is rational anymore. You know, the attacks on Tony Fauci have been going on now for more than a year. We still don't have a strong defense of Tony from the leadership of the Democratic Party. And I asked in a press conference, why hasn't the White House said a word? There's actually been death threats. There's actually been a call on Fox News. Mm -hmm. Take the kill shot when Mm -hmm. you see Tony Fauci. Where is the damn White House? Nothing. Even in response to my question, all they would say is, "We're opposed to disinformation." This isn't disinformation. This is death threats. We have health professionals all over the country leaving their prof- jobs, leaving being commissioner of health because of death threats, not only against themselves but their children.
2: It's out of control. We're going to have Pizzagate incidents all over the country. It's escalating and it's getting worse and If I if I can, and let me just sort of carry this over and get sort of Kabita's take on what you're talking about here. What I'm trying to say is we don't make the connection between combating COVID and preserving democracy in the United States. And the failure to effectively combat COVID and the ways we're doing it and messaging about it is actually making it harder to preserve democracy in the United States. And these things are connected for the average American who's not a Beltway person following right. Norm Ornstein's account on Twitter. Right. You that's know, they're, right. They're, you know, they're just sitting there going, I fucking hate the way right. The world is right now. So David, anyway,
0: David, it's, it's true. I don't make, I just told Grant, I don't make uh, resolutions. Grant who's amazing and helps make sure that this podcast gets pulled together. I told him I don't make resolutions. But I did decide last year, and I'm being more meaningful about it, about trying to talk to people, especially from my past and like kind of growing up in Texas, who are Trump supporters, disagree with everything I say, do not get vaccinated, and it's true they they don't fall, they're not on Twitter, they could give less of a crap about MSNBC or at Fox or this, but they have these fixed beliefs about right and wrong. And they have equated voting rights. They didn't say it out loud, but they've equated voting rights. Well, if you're going to force people to wear masks, we should be able to tell people that they can't get served water in voting lines. And by the way, these are mostly Latino and Latina people talking to me this way. And I said, you do realize what you're saying, right? You're talking about a public health measure that will save your life, and equating it to being able to drink water while you're waiting to vote, I said, "Do you understand like what you're saying?" And they're like, "No, those are the same things." And so, also, you're, David, you're right.
3: From Texas, also from Texas, and I shared with you earlier this week was a, a tweet from the Texas Republican Party. They had a photograph of a voting line, and of course, everybody in the voting line in that photograph was black. And the caption said, "If you can wait that six hours to vote." No, if
0: you could wait six hours for a right. vaccine, right. you can wait right. six hours to vote. Right. Or to, to get a test or something like that. Yeah. Right. And and that's and to David's point, that's it all comes back to this. And and by, David, I'm not going to lie. I'm being very honest because I want deep state listeners to also chime in if they commiserate. Honestly, even I feel like, well, why? I, I know why the vaccines matter. I know why what we are saying makes sense scientifically. But when I look at just the rates and the breakthrough infections, and it feels like everyone around me has it, even I have started to kind of feel at times like I've lost faith in what I say. And so it's very, very, very understandable that you have the majority of the populace who's just sick and tired. They don't know who to blame. And it's very easy to blame the person in power. And and
2: I I know a lot of people who are rational, nice thinking, you know, science believing folks who got the vaccine when the moment they could and got the mm-hmm. second vaccine and got the booster who are now like, okay, two years, I'm done. enough. I'm vaccinated. <laughs> I'm not going to get this thing in a serious way. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. If it's, you know, it's like a cold, what's the big deal without right. thinking, but I still could kill somebody else. They've just sort of said, "I'm over that." And well, let, me
3: let me throw a curveball at you. You know, you would usually think of MSF, Med Sans Frontière, or Doctors <laughs> Without Borders mm-hmm. as a very progressive organization, and certainly they align on most issues well to the left of most Americans. MSF Africa just released a statement, basically saying, "You know what? We don't really think we should start vaccinating all Africans." Oh yeah, that's we that's actually that. think we should just let this thing roll out because the truth of the matter is demographically, the mean age of an African is about 19 or younger. And so even if they get sick, it's not terrible. And more than 70% show evidence of prior exposure to the virus. So let's turn our energies in another direction and stop fighting to have access to the vaccines. Now you know if you had told me a year ago that that would be the position of MSF Africa, I would have told you you were smoking something, and 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 believed it. <laughs> Conversely, if you look here, and I'd love to to throw this right into Kavita's lap because I know it kind of hits her clinical sweet spot. But one of the other trends we're seeing is a lot of um, not just government officials, but very well established, prestigious physicians on the sort of infectious disease front, emphasizing over and over again that Omicron is a, quote, mild infection compared Mm -hmm. to Delta, what have you, and that the only people besides the vaccinated, or excuse me, the unvaccinated, who are having difficulty in getting seriously hospitalized are those with underlying contributing conditions. And so the mood and the temper around that kind of phrase is as if, oh, those people, they. Have yep. this. So I went through the data. According to the 2020 CDC data for over 18-year-old adults in America, and by the way, we're number one worst in each one of these categories in the world by far. Hypertension, 45% of Americans. Obesity, 42% of Americans. Cardiovascular disease, one American dies every 36 seconds. Of cardiovascular disease, which is an order of magnitude more frequently than any other country in the world. We rank number one in the world for cardiovascular death and diabetes. 13% of the population has diabetes with 3% of it never having been diagnosed. So what are we talking about when we say only people with underlying conditions? We're talking about just about every American. So now you have to take it down and say, well, how, what percentage of them have three of these underlying conditions at once. Let's say they have hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes. Well, that turns out to be a very large percent of Americans. Certainly one out of 10 Americans has multiple underlying conditions that contribute to the possibility that you will die of COVID. So the finger pointing keeps going on. You have this mood of finger pointing. I I, I even have in my Twitter thread, people saying things like, "You know, we should block all insurance to obese people. They're the ones dying of COVID. I mean, just this whole anti-fat thing. I've seen really strident comments about people who don't take their hypertension medicine. We're just filled with hatred and not compassion and a failure to recognize that when we say them, it's actually all of us. What do you think, Kavita? What percentage of your patients that are vaccinated and show symptoms fit in the boxes I'm talking about?
0: Oh, yeah. When you add mental health disorders into that, that I mean, everybody. I, I have yet to meet. I probably have a very small handful of people who are completely healthy in the regard that they don't have any of the conditions you do. But by now, almost all of them have had some degree of anxiety. I, I, I have yet to find somebody that doesn't have something. And you could say that's kind of American society over diagnosing, therefore over treating. But you're right, and I, I am a little tired of. Everybody wants to say this is mild, and it, it's it's a numerator and denominator issue. Like if we're talking about mild compared to what, sure, this is milder compared to what we've seen with the exact same person who would get infected with Delta, the Wuhan strain, Alpha, Beta, but it's not mild. To Lori's point, here's my issue with all the like CDC tweets about this is affecting them, and if you have these conditions, it's bad for you. But for everybody else in America, you're fine. My issue is that there's so much about Omicron we still don't know. I, I, I mean, we're basing so much of this on data that was pre this particular strain and how arrogant like two years into this, we're not like picking up on the fact that actually we don't really know that much. And we're looking to the UK, we're like scratching our heads and going, well, you know, South Africa, by the way, the very country we punished with like these crazy travel bans that we only recently lifted after how much persistence, you know? So I'm, yeah, if if there's any good news to be had, if there's any good news to be had, it's that cases actually do, by the way, coming down in cases doesn't mean they're gone. It just means that instead of a 32% positivity rate that I had the other day, we're now looking at like a 27% positivity rate, which is not good. And so this this is a story that's not gonna go away. And to David, to your point, fast forward a little bit, How much can the public take? Biden's going to talk about masks next week. He's going to push as probably we should have done two years ago when Laurie was talking about this being an airborne virus. It feels like too little, too late. It feels like I've got an umbrella in a hurricane. That's actually what it feels like. We should do all these things. I should have a better mask. It's
3: worse than that, Kavita. The government's going to send you an umbrella after the hurricane is over.
0: But that's my point, Laurie. And so think of how. I am a loyal, card carrying Democrat, somebody who desperately wants to kind of say that Biden followed the science, which, by the way, he did. The problem is, is it all messaging? No, it's not, because Lori's pointing out the very problem. David Leonhardt, CDC, I mean, we've got very smart people who have analyzed data and they make these points and somehow those become proclamations for the policy and we've just made terrible mistakes of arrogance in this we we really have we really have if i'm being honest let
2: me, let me let me come back to that this is the moment in our podcast where we say goodbye to all the people who have been listening for free and we encourage them to go and become members go to the dsrnetwork.com sign up be a member 5 dollars a month you know cost of a latte and it helps us be able to produce this and we've got lots of podcasts going each week and 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 we need your support so If you're not a member, go become a member, and then you'll be able to listen to the rest of this. For the rest of you who are members, and we are very grateful to the thousands of you who are out there, hang on a second, we'll be right back.